Films versus Books on Scribble. Welcome to Scribble, 30 minutes of conversation, comments, and reviews on reading and writing, editing, publishing, and selling books. I'm Rebecca Wee. And I'm Don Wooten. The Oscars are coming up, so we're going to talk about books versus films and Linda Cook while we're at it (laughs) on Scribble. One of those things that happens... Linda was to be our guest today, Aww. but Linda can't walk. Oh, <laughs> no, she's had she's had a little operation that's going to keep her off her feet for a couple of months. No, oh, my goodness. She's lucky that she can still work from home. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she can't come over to the studio. <laughs> well, she's right on step for since she's movie critic. Yeah. Um, the Oscars are are up, and I know she's preparing her own lists, right? Well, yeah, you know, the thing about uh, Linda is it's deceptive. You have somebody here in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. We know her. She she writes movie, has written movie criticisms for newspapers and is now doing it for TV. But what most people don't realize is she's a powerhouse because yeah. uh, she belongs to some big uh, critics associations. They have uh, annual banquets out in uh, Hollywood prior to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know what COVID has done to that. Uh, I do have to eat after all. Well, so true enough. Might as well have a banquet. But, you know, it brings up the whole question of books versus films. So many, you know, when a book is popular, mm-hmm. when it really sells, then right away somebody bids for the movie rights. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want that to happen. The lovers of the original books. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of those, aren't you? I'm one of those that is sort of uh, notoriously won't go to the movie of books I've really loved because I don't want somebody else's vision of what the characters look like, what their voices sound like. I've done that in my own head, and I like it the way it is. So um, probably, yeah, The Lord of the Rings, you know, that was just... I was one of the kids who loved that when I was young, and I didn't want to see the film. My kids have seen the films, and my son loves them. Well, you know, a friend of mine absolutely refused to go to the movies. I was all set. I wanted to go. For Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Peter Jackson had done a movie, I think it was called The Frighteners. Hmm? I don't know that many people saw it or thought much about it, but I thought the special effects in that were stunning. Yeah. And he should be able to bring this fantasy to life. And by golly, he, he did. did. Yeah. But she would not go. Yeah. Well, I, hear, I hear that. <laughs> I explained to her, look. They can't put the whole trilogy on of the course. screen, but they will get the gist of it, and mm-hmm. you accept it's going to be different. But no, she never no, went. I <laughs> Not only did I go to the three films as they came out, 
but I bought them on DVD in the director's original cut. Oh, wow. So they're longer. They're more complete. And I tell you, they go faster. Really? Yeah. That's Because you have a complete story, and somehow it just pulls you right along. Through. So was she willing to see that? Since there was no. more of the story, <laughs> I'm not checked with her in recent years, but I don't think she's ever relaxed from that. Well, I another one I'm thinking of that that I remember seeing a film when I was young. But I read Tess of the D'Urbervilles when I was in high school and just was rocked by it. And then the movie did come out at some point. Like it was just Tess, wasn't it? Yeah, Tess, was that Roman Polanski? I think he yeah. might have been the one. And and I hated it, you know, and, and sort of that sealed it. It was like, I'm not doing this again because that <laughs> book had meant so much, and it still does, but, you know, his the director's version of what Tess looked like and where, you know, how things happened, I couldn't stand it. Well, so. you know, radio is something like that. Back in the day, before it became kind of scandalous, uh, Amos and Andy mm. was on radio when I was a kid. Okay. And I knew what they looked like. Oh. Cool. And then later on, the TV thing came out, and I thought, no. Exactly. No, that's, that's not them. <laughs> those are not the guys. <laughs> and, well. But it works in reverse. Uh, Bernadette and I went to see the Brothers Karamazov when that movie came out. And we took with us a good friend, Frank Wolner. And Bernadette and I were just soaking up this film, and Frank was, oh, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> oh, What's the matter? He says, oh, it's, no, no. It's it doesn't like, even approach the No. <laughs> and I thought, well, what's the big deal? So I got hold of the brothers Karamazov and read it, and he was right. Yeah. The yeah. movie was a pale shadow of that. Right. And it didn't even include The Legend of the Grand Inquisitor, which is one of the things huh. in that book that just rocks you. Yeah. And then, but what it did, I decided to read all of Dostoevsky's novels. What a depressing summer. Yeah. That was. <laughs> but. But it opened up a whole new realm for you, too, you know. That's, that's... that's true. But what I discovered, and, and I think it's generally true of a variety of things, that it's easier to depict failed people, evil people, mm -hmm. desperate people, than it is to depict a virtuous person. In film or in writing or all of it? I think uh, in writing... As well as in film. Mm -hmm. In films, you know, you can have a halo on their head or something that does it. But, And in the Brothers Karamazov, in Alyosha, he created a virtuous person hmm. and a convincing one. Yeah. And I thought, well, I started with a, the sole example of somebody really good. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to Crime and Punishment and The Idiot. And oh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've I like that you were going backwards. I was thinking that the film The Remains of the Day when that came out. Remains of the Day. Remains of the Day. Ishiguro was the writer. He's a British writer and I think this must have been like 80 1989 or something like that that the film came out. Um but I loved the film so much that I went to read the book and 
I had been influenced by the film. I didn't like it better than the book in the end, but I was coming at it, like you just said, in backwards, I guess. I saw the film uh-huh. first. Um, well, sometimes transfer, transfers work. Uh, John Le Carre writes such good action uh, movies with mm-hmm. interesting characters uh, that when I saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with oh. Alec Guinness and Smiley's People, I thought Alec Guinness doesn't look anything like George Smiley. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. he doesn't. He's not. He's thin right, right. for one thing. But that was uh, those two films were so convincing. Actually, they came out as TV documentaries. I think. Well. That makes me think of one of the films that's up is this Elvis movie. Mm-hmm. And I my mother was a Elvis fan, so I knew all of the all the music. And I only saw a clip. I did not see the movie. Um, and the guy playing Elvis looks nothing like him. Just nothing. <laughs> He's got a great voice, and I suspect that's got to be the reason they hired him. But I remember just seeing the seeing that flash over. The, I don't know if it was a preview or what, but I just thought, "You got to be kidding! You can't, <laughs> you can't take on somebody like Elvis and and have a guy who doesn't look like him, but he does sound like him." Well, so, there are Elvis impersonators all over the world. I know, but a lot of them look more like Elvis than this guy in the movie. <laughs> so, you know, a, a Gary Oldman is a remarkable actor. He played the George Smiley part. Uh, no, uh, and he was in the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. I think he played the George Smiley part. So I, I get confused after a while. But he is not Gary Oldman in any movie. He <laughs> is he is a character. Yeah. And I don't know how he changes his visage, his size, yeah. his voice. But he becomes that other person. Yeah. Sometimes when it's someone very recognizable like Churchill, can't quite, quite get, there, get there. But still, his characterization is so compelling. Yeah. That you stay with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because yep. the 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 life of the mind can be so vivid. Yep. Particularly from reading. Yes. That I, uh, you're going to have trouble bringing it to life in films or anything like that. Yeah. Well, the one film that I did admire that came from Shakespeare it was Hamlet, but it was the Mel Gibson version of probably 1990. I keep realizing that the only things I can remember are from 1990 or 89, um, you know, well before I had children or, or well. <laughs> even my full-time job. So I, I remember those films very fondly, but they weren't all connected to books. But that Hamlet was, and I had loved Hamlet as a play, um, just the text of it. So to see it, you know, it was Glenn Close, I think. It was Mel Gibson. It was, um, uh-huh. who else? Oh, um, Helena Bonham Carter played Ophelia. And that, I mean, I don't know what I would think of it now if I pulled it out and looked at it, but I was really enthralled by well, the You know, film. it's interesting. I saw Olivier's Hamlet before I really looked into the play. Mm-hmm. And I thought, 
that's so convincing. That, such that's a, a, yeah, Olivier is such a fine actor. And his version of Richard III branded me for life. Uh, I mean, that, that's Richard III, no yeah. question. Yeah. And then uh, Henry V, the same way. When he dealt with Shakespeare, he was such a compelling actor. Yeah. And on film, yeah. And then when I directed all those plays, I saw, well, I still admire what he did, but there's a lot more here that I hadn't thought about. Yeah. Yep. Well, they have to, you know, to to get it onto the film for what two two hours. Think of everything that has to be. Yeah. Has to, to be either condensed or forgotten. So. Well, we didn't get uh, Linda Cook here. Oh yeah. Well, but I told her send me, send me your evaluation because the Oscars are tomorrow, and uh, I don't know if people bet on who's going to win <laughs> what. <laughs> But and also, you know, you really can't tell because they talk about um, oh the promotions mm-hmm. that the more you promote, the more pe- the more people become convinced that maybe this is the best. Huh. And it's one of the weaknesses of society today. You, we see it now drastically in yeah. politics yep. that you can change people's thinking. Yeah. You can use the various tools and use them subtly, and you can sell people almost anyone or anything. Oh, and you don't even have to be subtle. Yeah, <laughs> boy. But anyway, she, we, I asked her to send us her ideas, and she did. What do you think about her choices for Best Picture? Well, given that I've seen none of none of the, <laughs> none of the films that are up um i've heard or read extraordinary reviews of everything everywhere all at once um but yeah linda's got a three-way tie between that one all quiet on the western front and the outfit i don't know what i don't that know is. anything about that one so no. um and yeah i I wanted to see Till, which is one of her picks for Best Actress, but I didn't. Um, I desperately wanted to see Tar. Um, oh, I'm but, I'm determined to see Tar. Yeah, I I've I've just been mesmerized by even an interview I heard with Kate Blanchett talking about taking on that character. Um, well, that so. that you know, uh, it's on a DVD. And I'm I know it's true. <laughs> But that's not the same, you know, as the big screen. Certain films, you know, they have to. The the other one that I did see, that's somewhere on this, is the Banshees of Inisherin, and I went to the theater for that, and that was just extraordinarily beautiful. The landscapes and the colors, and and the storyline was so simple. It was basically, you know, two friends. And they always met at a bar, and one day the one of them comes in, and the other one is avoiding him, and yeah. it's and just announces that he just doesn't feel like being his friend anymore. Nothing happened, nothing, and the complexity of what unfolds out of that because the guy who's being rejected just can't can't <laughs> fathom it. It's like, but but. But why, you know? And he said, "I, I just don't, 
I just don't want to. And everything grows from that. That's interesting because uh, I don't see the outfit anywhere on the list of the uh, top contenders. They've got All Quiet in the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of an... In, in a Sharon. In, in a Sharon. Yep. Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That sounds like a crazy movie. And I guess it is, the complexity of it is going to knock you out. Yeah, and it's apparently really art, artistic. In yeah, its... and that, that's that's the one that people are pushing okay. quite a bit. And then the Fablemans and Tar. Tar is... Something that the thinking movie critic is going to go for. Sure. Uh, Hollywood has a way of picking these films that never quite make much money. Yeah. (laughs) Well. They're artistic. hmm, What can that mean? (laughs) What can that mean about our our desire for entertainment? And then Top Gun Maverick, there's a crowd pleaser. Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking which sounds like a very interesting film. Yeah, Women Talking does. I I can't um I just love Frances McDormand and she's Yeah, the Frances so. McDormand is a producer of that film. Yeah. And so um I like everything she does. Yeah. And she's been in a variety of films and been just great in all of them. But uh, one of the things that Linda put in her list was the movie that caused my most embarrassing oh. crying spell. Yes. <laughs> DC League of Super Pets sent me into a crying spell I had trouble containing. In fact, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> There's a scene in this movie which, although it's a whimsical animated film about superheroes and their animal companions, rings true when a dog is taken to a shelter. I wasn't the only one in the auditorium who was sniffling either. <laughs> I love that category. I would love to hear um, someone announce that category in the actual Oscars. <laughs> Movie that caused my most embarrassing crying spell. It's very nice. <laughs> How about the best documentary? Oh, yes. On New Year's Day, I was coerced by my husband to see um, Fire of Love, and when he described it as this documentary about a husband-wife team of volcano scientists, I don't know. I love rocks, but I just thought, no, I just don't want to see that, and it was extraordinary. It was just, it's footage that this couple took when they got right up to the edge of Volcanoes and the um, I won't I won't ruin the ending for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But they um, they were killed. Well, (laughs) (laughs) now everyone they died at. I mean, it's interesting to see how people describe it because they'll say, you know, the tragedy of them being killed by an erupting volcano that they got too close to. And all through the film, where they are on and off worried about each other, you know, doing these sort of getting too close and being kind of ridiculous about the risks they took, both of them at different points said, and they've got footage of them saying, 
I love you and I love volcanoes. And if we die doing this, I'm okay with that. And I guess, what's the name of that one? I think it's just Fire of Love. Fire uh, of Love. Fire of Love. There might be a... a oh, yeah. I've, I've got it on the list here. Is it there? Yeah. And that was Katya and Maurice Kraft, I guess. They're French scientists. Yeah, the, all the, the best. And this is something that Linda is nuts about. She loves documentary films. Mm, okay. But and she, uh, she picked Aerial Phenomenon. phenomenon. Uh, says it's one of the most incredible documentaries you'll ever see and one of the most astounding true stories you'll ever hear. It might change your worldview. What this group of now grown-up children saw and how it continues to affect their lives is one of the best true stories ever told, and it's also one of the most important. Oh, I don't know anything about that one. Well, so you can stick with Fire of Love. Well, I'm thinking her description. (laughs) Incredible documentaries, astounding true stories... Um, change your world. I don't know if it changed my worldview, but my view may be of relationships. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, Linda is hooked on documentaries. The interesting thing about it is that I think, well, now you can't go to movies for a while. Because of her standing, they send her screeners. Oh. She can watch all these movies on her computer. Oh, okay. That's not a good substitute for the real thing. No, it's not. But I wonder how movie attendance is going to hold up. Well, theaters now, I'm just talking about what we have here in the Quad Cities. When I first moved here, there was like one cinder block theater, and I've seen it evolve. Now, you know, you go there and there aren't that many seats, but they're big fancy seats where you can put your feet up. It's like a late, they're like lazy boy chairs that you can lean back and you can in certain theaters. So they can't fit that many of them in there. Um, but it's pretty swanky. You know, you, can, yeah. you get to lie back and watch it. But um, Well, every, everyone was worried that COVID was going to wipe movies wipe it out. out. Yeah. I think people are still going, but but the number it's not like it used to be. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe in some theaters it is, but but you know that's part of the general phenomenon of uh, lack of social contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, apparently are satisfied with cell phones and with television, yeah, and yeah. social media, and uh, it started uh, when. Uh, with that book, Bowling Alone, how bowling leagues, which used to be very popular, have diminished, huh. although some are starting to come back. Interesting. And it's, if you, there's certain indicators in society that social scientists look at sure. to try to figure out what's going on, how people are interacting, or if yeah. they are interacting. Yep. But the advent of the cell phone has just about destroyed society. Yeah. Well, some things about it, you know, as a parent, I'm so grateful that I can track my kids with my phone. I don't feel good about it, but I I mean, I I wouldn't have liked to have been tracked when I was their age. But the no. fact of being able to find them if they yeah. disappear is huge. Um, but I remember very clearly because I was teaching before 
the whole cell phone thing happened. And I remember one day here at Augie um, realizing as everybody left the classroom where I had just been teaching, no one was talking to each other. They were immediate, not even out the door and their phones were out. Yeah. And I thought that is huge because we used to walk out of classes talking about something we'd just been discussing or some different reading of a text or, you know, there were discussions, arguments, you know, all of that. But the students were walking out together side by side and each on their separate phones and not talking to each other. And I just thought, oh, I don't like this. You know, yeah, this is... I know. It's, uh... <clears throat> and the problem is uh, there's a... kids don't learn to talk to each other. Yeah. They really don't. Yep. And uh, that social interaction is, is important. Oh, yeah. You're going to need it as you get older. Yep. If you enter the job market or anything, yeah. if you don't know how to talk to people, right. what are you going to do? Yep. It'll, it, dating is apparently happening just fine online. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, <laughs> well, really? <yeah. laughs> really? <laughs> but, well, let's um, see. We have, uh, what else? You, oh, the most underseen theatrical release. Mm. It's called Brian oh. and Charles. And Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Both are whimsical. Both are clever, intelligent, and unique. Brian and Charles is a take on the Frankenstein myth. And Marcel, the shell with shoes on, I think was a kid's book. Um, I think so. I don't know. I don't have kids. Uh, well, oh, I, I have I, kids, but they're in their sixties, for Pete's sake. Yeah. Well, they might, <laughs> if it's good enough, maybe we we'll maybe we'll all still like Marcel the Shell. Yeah. Um, but uh, supporting actors—that's that, part of an animated feature film, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is hmm. uh, the one that probably will will take it. She says that it has much more an edge than the Disney version. And it's more true to the dark themes of the book. The stop-motion animation is gorgeous. Huh. But she still likes Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> title, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, the Oscars are tomorrow. And I don't know if people are going to pay that much attention to them or not. It used to be a huge event. I know. Now everybody pays attention to what people are wearing the women, you know, I remember oh, the first yeah. time I heard the the interviewer running up to someone saying, who are you wearing? And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but who I, are you who wearing? Are you wearing? <laughs> and I think that the, the attention to high fashion uh, remains intriguing to people. If Well, you know, I, I do appreciate a good film, although I'll confess I haven't been to the movies in three or four years now. Yeah, I know. And uh, But there's nothing quite like a book. I know. A book causes you to be the producer and director. Yeah. And you cast it yep. in your mind. Exactly. And you follow the action closely. Yeah. And it has an impact on you. Yeah. And well uh, films can do that, too. I can remember leaving films and plays mm -hmm. that left me shaken. Yeah, yep. But a book will live in your head a long, long time. Yeah, 
So you better be careful what you put there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we miss having Linda today. Yes, Linda. But we have her uh, views of things. She likes Mark Rylance for Best Supporting Actor. And there is one of the great actors of our day. And also Bill Nye for Best Actor. I couldn't get over Bill Nye when I first saw him in a movie. And I looked up his movies after that. Huh. Great guy. But that's our time. Time for the theme, and we're out of here. Uh, I'm Don Mooton with Rebecca Wee. We thank you for your attendance, and we hope that you'll be back with us next week for the next edition of Scribbles.